Hi, my name is Dave Dano. I follow Zenith St. Petersburg and I also manage the Zenith St. Petersburg Mauritius Twitter accounts. Hi, Dave. How are you doing? Hi, Sean. Hope you're Yeah, very well. Thanks. I'm glad to be speaking to you, man. When a friend of mine actually recommended your account, I was so thrilled. Yeah, it's. Um, I think when people see it on Twitter, they think it's just like a, a joke. Um, like, why would there be a Russian Premier League club linked with Mauritius? Um, and I think when I first started the account, I think did think it was a joke. Probably people still do think it's a joke. Spoiler alert, no, it's, it's actually, yeah, it's actually a, a serious account. Um, yeah, something that I'm quite proud of. So... My first question, how and why FC Zenith? So it all started, so I'll take you back God, when I was younger, like a teenager. Um, I've always followed football from around the world. Um, actually, not just footballing general, but I've always had an interest in the world, various countries. Um, and yeah, I followed football from South America um, to Turkey, Eastern Europe, obviously the fatherland, Mauritius. And I was starting with Zenith. So yeah, as I mentioned, uh, one area I was uh, had an interest in um, South America, particularly in Brazil. And I remember, sorry, one club that interested me from that part of the world was actually Shakhtar Donetsk. Um, with the amount of Brazilians that played in that team. So I really got interested with Shakhtar. And it's funny how I didn't become a Shakhtar fan, actually. But I noticed there was a lot of Brazilians going to that part of the world. And I've always followed Russian football, I think, since the early 2000s, like on and off, basically. And the interest in Russia started from... So I started something that's not linked to football. I think I've always had an interest in, in, in the former Soviet Union. The fact it was just, obviously, someone that lives in the West, how completely different living in, in that, that period would have been, I think, fascinated with, like, the, the architecture as well. Yeah, the link of, like, having an interest in the Soviet Union. And um, when I was a teenager, um, I played something called a, a play by mail, which was literally, yeah, simply a game through the post. So growing up here in the UK, we'd have football magazines like Match and Shoot magazine. And at the back, you'd have like these adverts for playing these games uh, through the post where you would manage a football team. Essentially like football manager, but playing it through the post, basically, where you, you would receive like your sheets of paper with like your results, your team, and then you would submit like your tactics or transfers or whatever. Um, and it was a great bit of fun. And I remember playing as a team called... Um, Torpedo Moscow, who um, have played in the top tier previously, they, they, they're currently a, a second tier team in Russia. So my interest started from this this play by mail game, and given randomly this, this this team called Torpedo Moscow, which I think I googled. I remember on their website back then that this was the early two thousands. That, that there really wasn't much content available. I wasn't say I was a fan of the club; it was just more of an interest. And then I started later developing interest in various teams in in that league years later but I never had a connection with a club there or sort of supported a certain club from the Russian Premier League I particularly had a team uh, in this controversial on those from the Russian football community you, you probably know who I'm talking about there it, it wasn't until um, like I've, I've always had a presence on Twitter since the early days since I was an early adopter since I think 2009 but I remember um, I've always followed football clubs all over the world on Twitter and um, so I've always had a handful of Russian clubs on there but I remember the English speaking account of Zenit and occasionally just engaging. I was mind blown by the fact that the English speaking account was like just engaging with football fans because it's such a rare thing to see. Um, I thought they were doing it in such a great way. And for someone that's like worked in digital marketing and social media management, even not just like a Twitter football account, even a company business account, they always seem to be like faceless. They're never like really engaging with the customer or, like the follower and um but Zenit were generally doing that and I just thought that was so cool. And I remember just just like 
and just engaging with their tweets. And I was just mind blown that they were replying back to me. And I kind of like, I kind of like this team. Um, it's funny because I, I don't normally support like a team that's like um, very, very successful. So that's kind of funny. But um, yeah, it was just it was just linked to that. And I think I really like the fact that St. Petersburg is a city. It just looks such a beautiful place. And it's one place I've always wanted to visit as well. So like the location, the clubs, that fact. And it just sort of like, I don't know, I just got a connection really from like social media. And also the other facts um, was to do with when Hulk played for Zenit. I just thought he was like a phenomenal player. I remember when they signed him from FC Porto. So watching some videos on Russian football, and I just remember, um, I think Zenit played our rivals, Spartak Moscow, and I just remember like this this free kick he took, and um, I really thought like the net was just like gonna like break, like the, the, it just it was just such a venomous shot, and like just like wow, just like what a free kick! This guy is just is this guy even human? I, I just loved seeing this guy play. I mean, just I mean, as you know, just such an awesome talent, and. Um, it's been mind blown by him, really. Yeah, just just the connection with Hulk and their social media presence, and obviously this always having this interest in Russia and the former Soviet Union. Just, just, um, yeah, just it just led me to in that club. So you are half Mauritian and half English. Yeah, that's that's correct, and that probably confuses a lot of people. Um, so I've actually got it in my Twitter bio. Yeah, so born here, English mother, Mauritian father. Um, the story behind the Twitter account is. I noticed that there was quite a few um, Zenit St. Petersburg accounts for various countries. And I just had this brainwave. I was like, why not do like a Mauritius one and promote it, promote not just Zenit, but like the Russian Premier League to the island because over there, the Premier League dominates like on the island. There's just like the majority of the population are either Liverpool or Manchester United fans. I was like, I have this thing where I really, even though I'm from the UK, don't like the way the Premier League dominates everything. Right, right. Um, so I just thought, I had this crazy idea and I love the challenge. I was like, simply why don't I create an account and see where it goes? I mean, if I'm honest, I don't think I probably have about maybe one or two people follow the account. Everyone else is from around the world, but um, I think purely for branding, I like it. And it, for me, it's like a, a long-term project as well. And um, your local, your local football club, there's a story behind that as well. Yeah, so um, I'm a Leighton Orient fan, so they're from like the east end of London. I've only been following them since 2016. When I got into football, I must have been about seven years old. And if I'm honest, being a West Ham United fan, my granddad was a supporter and he's, he, he was originally from that part of London. And the, the region I'm from, most people are West Ham fans. So I, I grew up, I'd say for about 20 plus years supporting that club but I fell out of love with the football team mainly because they, they, they moved stadiums and I was against their move and um, they, they moved for those who don't know moved to the Olympic Stadium and um, I went to about two games there and I really didn't like the match day experience and like we got the running track there was I think a lot of supporters fighting and yeah it was just like this a really toxic atmosphere and I was like I really don't like this and before the the club left their old stadium up to park. It's like, if, if, if I don't like this, I'll, I'll just go to a, a lower league team. And I kept it in East London because obviously, because of my granddad. Um, and I, I became an Orient supporter like the worst time ever. They, they, they're run by like a um, sort of like shady, if that's the right word, a shady Italian owner who, um, yeah, he almost, he almost killed the club. Um, 
the club were relegated from League Two in non-league and the National League, and luckily they're, they're, they're back where they belong. But um, it's, it's, it's been a, since 2016. It's been a, a roller coaster journey. But um, do you know, I wouldn't I wouldn't have it any other way. And um, a, a really true uh, love Orient. Yeah, just great family club, and yeah, I'm very proud to be part of that football team. You pick really interesting clubs, man. You mentioned in your post that you are a have a soft spot for Sunderland as well. <laughs> yeah, so that's true as well. So, um, yeah, really interesting teams, as you say. Um, so my best friend's a Newcastle fan and um, he was getting married and for his stag do, we went up to Newcastle um, and we all wore like uh, football shirts. For a joke, I went to, uh, up there, I wore like a Sunderland shirt and uh, I kept the shirt, but like um, I just got like interested in, in, in the club. I just think they've got amazing supporters. Um those guys will support them. I mean, they'll. I mean, if there's nowhere where Sunderland's located, my God, those those supporters travel far to see their club play. And I, th- I think I just got like, yeah, I just like they had a bad time, and I sort of related to what they were going through with like the, the ownership as well. And I started listening to like some podcasts about the club, and I just got really, really interested in what what happened to them. And I somehow got yeah, just sucked into the madness. And so yeah, I've 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 a, I've a, I've a soft spot for them as well. So yeah, a bit different. So um, at least with Zenit, they win games. So uh. <laughs> in the same post, you mentioned uh, controversial teams. I wanted to ask you about that because I um, I have no clue about the Russian league. What's that about? <laughs> so spoiler alert: I'm talking about. Well, they're not they're not in the Russian Premier League. I, um, I don't even think they're in second tier anymore. I think they're even lower than that. But Everyone probably remembers, even if you don't know about the RPL, a club from Dagestan called Angie. There are players like Samueto, Roberto Carlos, all the superstars. So I'm talking about that club where they just went crazy on a spending spree with like these like quality players. And as you can see, it hasn't really <laughs> got them anywhere. So yeah, I was, I was really referring to them because I think at one point, like everyone was like the media always were like Russian. I think Russian football was um, was getting interest just simply because yeah, like splashing the cash. You know, at the point where yeah, there's, I guess it's the same thing with like um, the Chinese Super League. I mean, we know it's not like okay. glamorous anymore, but at one point when all the players were going there. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I was just pretty much referring to them. I guess you've got like it's better to say controversial team, but you've got like um, Agamat Grozny from Chechnya. Another one that's sort of, I guess, just because the region they're from. So I guess that'd be another club. Time, like a few years ago, they, they only changed their name. They used to be um, known as Terek Grozny. And then I think they, they originally changed to Akmat, which I believe is a link to, um, and if you'd call him like the president of Chechnya or oh. whatever his title is. But I think it's linked to something to do with that. Your earliest memory of the club? Oh, earliest memory. Um I think it's something that I've already previously mentioned. I think it's when the Hulk was there, it was that, that I hate how it's called a derby because it's not, it's just like St. Petersburg against Moscow. It's like rivaled cities, but I think in Russia it's called a derby. Um, just that, that uh, Hulk free kick. I think that was my earliest memory. I can't even remember if they won or not. I just, just was just so blown away with like the power of him striking that ball. And I think that was just pretty much my first memory. And who is your club? Legend. Oof. For me, I would have to go to know you're an Arsenal fan, so you are gonna you're gonna know this guy. So I would have to go for Arshavin simply because I mean I mean this guy started out I think around 1999. I think he made his club debut. Some English football fans might 
even remember him. So we used to have something called the, in Europe, called the Intertoto Cup. And I think he made his debut against when, when Bradford City were in uh, English top tier. So that's how long ago that was. Um, I mean, I mean, I mean, this guy is so well decorated. I mean, um, with like trophies, he's, he's, he's won the like the, the Premier League, the, the League Cup, the uh, Russian Super Cup, the the UEFA Cup when we won it in two thousand eight against um, Rangers. I think he's even been named like Russian Footballer of the Year, um, and he's still involved in the club. I believe he's like a got like a some sort of like sporting director um, role, and I just remember him as well briefly in. I think it was Euro 2008. I think he had a really good tournament in that for for the national team. So for me, yeah, it, it has it has to be him. Who are the club's biggest rivals? It has to be like Spartak. You know, this is a club that I hate saying it. They've 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 done well. They've got like trophies. I think they're they've won more. Again, I really hate saying this. I think they've even won like more league titles. You've also got like the, the city rivalry between um, obviously Moscow being the capital city and St. Petersburg being the, um, since like the Northern capital. Right. So there's always like this rivalry between those two cities. So yeah, definitely. And I would say probably like somebody that the other like big Moscow clubs as well. Um, the likes of like um, CSKA, Dinamo, or Dynamo, however you want to pronounce it. I'd even say like, um, this might be a bit of a weird one because they're, they're located in the south of the country, maybe like Krasnodar, in the sense that they've really come up in the last so many years. I know they, like, there was quite like, I know it's sponsored by this company called Windline. You would see it called it like the Windline Derby. Again, Derby for me is, it's, it's a bit of a strange one because of like, geographically, you've got like Zenit in the north and Krasnodar in the south. So, yeah, I'd say those clubs as well. It is such a niche league, and but there is people that religiously follow it. Um, if you check out guys on Twitter from like uh, Russian football news, I think on their Twitter handles at RFN and these other two guys, there's there's a podcast called WTI podcast, um, which is run by a guy called Hanu, who's same is is from India, not sure what part of India, and you've got a guy called Artem, who's um, Russian heritage, but. Uh, Really like their podcast. Um, it's entertaining. They sometimes got off topic, which is quite quite funny. But um, yeah, we've we've got a nice little community, and yeah, you've got some people that are they're really like, they're really like hardcore fans. Like they 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 and they really really do know their stuff. And like yeah, like I say, they really like follow the game religiously. Players who you feel deserve a bit more praise for their time at the club. I thought long and hard about this one, and I'm going to go for a controversial choice. So I'm going to go for Alexander Cochrane, and they, uh, the reason why it's controversial is um, he did a stint in prison. Um, so he, he made like over 60 appearances for Zenit. Um, I believe he's got about 17 goals between 60, uh, 2016 to 2019 season. Seems like a bit of like a, a troubled character. He was involved in an altercation uh, with a government official at a restaurant, and I believe he did like 18 months inside. And when he's come out, I think he's, I think he played for Sochi. I can't even remember if he played many games. And then he's now playing in Syria for Fiorentina. But I just think he's such a skillful player. And I think I always thought he was great on the counter, fearless, pacey, uh, just 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 great, really good good to watch. Um, I know that he started his career at Dinamo. Um, I think he had two spells there, and um, I know he scored quite a lot of goals there. And for me, I know it's a controversial one, but for me, he's one player. I think that. Playing ability, just um, yeah. For me, I, I don't know if anyone agrees or disagrees with me on that one. 
because it is controversial. But um, I think even um, on the YouTube, uh, the Russian Premier League YouTube channel, I think there's a bit where you can see like his um, highlights of his career in the league. And, and, and honestly, you'll see what I mean. I, don't, I really don't know how he's getting on in Italy. I don't really follow Italian football, so I'm not, I'm not too sure. But I'm just hoping that, um, you know, for, for the time he spent inside, that he's, he's, he's a different character. Young players you're looking to see more of. Yeah, I'm going to go for Andre Mostovoy, who's 23 years old. He's previously played like in um, Zenit 2, so like the second team. He's a winger. Um, another one I'd, I'd say that's, that's great on the counter. Again, very, very pacey. I think last season he, he, he packed himself like um, six goals. Um, I just think he's got a, a great vision, knows where people are, where I can read the game really well. Yeah, just just definitely one to watch. And um, I recommend anyone to, to to keep an eye on him. And I really believe that um, you don't see like many Russians like go abroad, but um, he's one I really hope that he, he really does do well. That's an interesting point you bring up about Russians abroad. I've been watching um, Golovin for a bit. Ah, uh, for Monaco. Yeah. Um, yeah. He, he had this great season. Uh, where was he before Monaco? I forget where where he was. But uh, I really noticed him at the 2018 World Cup. He was the standout yeah. player for Russia there. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, um, it's good to see someone like that. Um, obviously, I guess... People are starting to watch the French league now, obviously, because of a, a certain someone playing in that league nowadays. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I mean, that, that, is, that is really good, good, good to see. And I, I really hope that, that the more that, um, do, do go to Europe and, you know, show. I mean, I mean you've got like, you've got like a Marun, Marun uh, I couldn't say his name, Marun Chak at um, Atalanta. He's another one standout. He used to play at Locomotive. So, yeah, you, you, um, I, I really hope that. Um, in the future, we do we do see more. Um, I was watching this interesting interview with one of these players. I forget his name. His last name is Forbes. He was talk. He was playing for one of these uh, Russian teams, and there's a restriction of the number of players, right? So there are six foreign players that are allowed in each team, and that's why there's sort of a, a smaller pool. And these guys tend to play from club to club over the years. Is that? Correct? Am I correct? That is correct. And um, it's something that's always talks about um, with Russian football fans. Um, and they say that um, this foreigner limit is like um, killing uh, the game, essentially. And yeah, I'm, I'm, I, think, I think they are trialling some new setup for the league. I've heard rumours. I think I've read about it, but it sounded like the, uh, the club, uh, like reforming the league, it's just sounded really like complicated. But um, yeah, uh, we, we will say it's like this, this, this draconian rule that, that needs to be lifted. Um I mean, and it goes to show. I mean, look, look, look at look at the whenever like the, um, there's Russian clubs in the Champions League, Europa League, whatever it is, they never do well, really well. Like, and that's that's one contributor, really. A game that left you elated, and a game that left you disappointed. I think I can't remember the score, but I think it was I think it was last season, just before the winter break, when we beat Spartak away. Um, that's just a nice feeling beating them but it was just the fact that um going into to the to the, the the winter break and uh you know beating your rivals um and I remember just like last year being in lockdown you know, it's been tough you're miserable and then just seeing your team do one over your rivals yeah that was just yeah that was just great although I cannot yeah I, I just remembered it I think the scoreline was 3-1 and what, what I loved about that game was um we made it 3-1 like I think the dying embers of the game 
um, Artem Zuba scoring. And um, to do that just before the season break, yeah, I just, yeah. There's, there's probably more, but right now my mind's gone blank, if I'm honest. But that one, another game that I think I felt, a game I felt frustrated. Let me think. I think that was against Rubin Kazan last season. Did we lose or did we? I think we lost. And I was just thinking it was one of those games where it was just, um, just felt like we couldn't do anything right, sort of thing. You know, when you get like one of those like bogey sort of grounds. I thought it was sort of like like that. Um, I'm trying to find out on my phone what the actual score was. I just remember it was against Rubin. We um, it just been a disappointing game. We recently um, played them and we changed that. We beat them like three one away. Zuba getting two and Claudinho, and um, it wasn't the Rubin team that, that we struggled. You know, before I'm just trying to remember what the scoreline was against that. Oh no, so I got that wrong. So I think it was uh, at home. Sorry, and that game. Now I remember. So, yeah, we went 1-0 up. Jorkin scoring, I think, I think it must have been like the 30th minute. I think they scored like late on, 70th minute. And I just remember that one just being a bit like frustrating for whatever reason. Again, there's probably more games, but for some reason my mind has gone totally blank. <laughs> but those, those, two, those two games, for whatever reason, they stand out. Going back to the league, I mean, not just Zenit, but I, I just feel like a reason why um, this league, not just the team of the league, that there's like never a dull moment. There's always there's always something going, happening like oh, last season, a team going bust and disappearing to, I don't know. There's just like, there's always something in this league. Sometimes you feel like it's like a soap opera. <laughs> so entertaining like, on and off the pitch, really. When you, when you put it like that, it somehow reminds me of the championship. I, I don't know why. Is it as competitive? The championship, I'd say, is, if I'm honest, more exciting. I think um, um, I don't think it's always obvious who's going to win it. Yeah. Whereas I think the RP, RPL, it's not really like that. You sort of got an idea. It's, it's either going to be like, oh, it's going to be Zenit season, or it's going to be like a Spartak season, or it's going to be like a I don't know, locomotive season, or whatever club it is, or like one of the top teams. You're not going to see like I don't know. Oh yeah, like I don't know FC Ufa, for example, like win it or something like that. Which is a shame, but um, I wish it was more open like that. But still, yeah, I still, I still love the league, and yeah, I, I recommend it to anyone. What's great about it, if you like, I think for like five pound a month, I'm, I'm able to watch all like the game on like YouTube, um, which is like a bargain, really, like five pound and all those games you can watch. Yeah, I was just going to ask you that. How how do you watch? So it's it's on YouTube, but you have to pay for it. That's right. So I pay like five pound a month, and I get all like the the games on there. You don't, you get selected games in English. Luckily, Zenit being a popular team, there's a lot of the time where you get a Zenit game in English if if you're lucky. Um, sometimes I'll just yeah, I'm not bothered if it's the odd game where you get it in like with like Russian commentary. That's fine, but um, I can't think of any other leagues that really do that. But um, I really like the the RPO have really done that and promoted it to like a global audience now. So um, for someone who likes to promote the league, I'm um, yeah, it's really great to see. How 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 good is your Russian now? Uh, <laughs> I um I actually don't know many things to say. I mean, a bit of like the alphabet, and um, I tell the truth, I can I can say a few things. So like, hello, привет, um, like, nice to meet you. To tell the truth, I learned a lot of it from YouTube. From um, there's a guy from the UK called Borden Bankrupt, who's uh similar to me, has a fa- fascination with the Soviet Union, and he travels like Russia, Ukraine. Previously traveled to like Belarus, um, those sort of countries, and um, he speaks Russian fluently. So I learned the odd word just from his YouTube channel. Really, you said your uh, grandfather was a West Ham supporter. That's right. Yeah, and uh, you said to me that you often think about how he would react to the club right now. 
Yeah, that's a good point. I think my granddad was just so like old fashioned. Um, I don't think he would like. I wouldn't say myself that I'm old fashioned. Um, I, I can adapt to change, but um, I just don't think he would approve of, of the move. And like, I know, I, I, like, I still have like friends who are who are fans, and they, they've adapted to it, and they feel like, oh yeah, it's starting to feel like home now. But um, for me, like, it just didn't. After a while, it just didn't interest me. And I can always get fans because obviously they're in Europe now and they're, they're doing well. Like, oh, wouldn't you go back? I'm like, no, I just, all of a sudden, I just, like, yeah, I just, I, I, I lost interest. And yeah, it is interesting if he was still alive, if, um, if he would feel the same way. What in particular was it that really made you gravitate towards uh, Leighton Orient? I think the, so when I become a fan in, in the darkest time in their history, I feel like I was like involved in that. There was like um, the last home game of the season when they got relegate, relegated. There was a protest um, where we all went on the pitch. I was involved in that. Um, I think I just felt all of a sudden, like I'd only been involved that season. And I just felt so passionate about how this club almost died. And, um, you know, it was it was scary. You, you start supporting this club and think, oh my God, there might not be no more. All that history, boom, gone. And and we've we've seen it in this country. We've seen it with like the likes of Barry FC, uh, Macclesfield Town, um, uh, a team we played the other week, Oldham Athletic. They've got owner problems as well, and I just—I felt like I was just like a part of something. Um, and we luckily we got a club back from. I think I think the protest did have ramifications in, in a positive way. It wasn't violent, and we chanted and basically just told this guy that we want you out, and um, that's exactly what happened. But I don't know if the, the, it's all to do with those links and. I really felt that season, there was a few times where we'd pick up like a miracle result. I remember always on Valentine's Day, we went to a team that was, if I remember rightly, doing really well, Plymouth Argyle. And um, we won away there. Nobody would think that we, we would have um, won that game. And throughout the season, I, I think we must have had something crazy, like five managers. And you saw the team get younger and younger and younger. Like... I think the best player there that season was a guy called Jay Simpson. He he um I think he ended up playing in America for like Philadelphia Union, I think was the team name. He went there and um we really missed him. Um and then just other players were leaving and like we were just like playing kids. And um it was literally you would you would go to the games, it was literally like men versus boys. Um but when we got like um like these these sort of like miracle results, I thought I just started to find it like it was getting exciting. Like, oh, what if like Orient could do the impossible? And then you, you, you had other teams around us that were doing very bad. You had like Newport County and Hartlepool and somehow Newport County, they somehow survived and dragged Hartlepool United into the relegation zone. And then, yeah, they got um, relegated with us. But um, I, I just think it was just that connection. And I find it's very... Um, it's very family orientated there. I like that aspect of the club as well. Um, we always say it's um, the small club with a big heart, and it, it really is there. I just just love like um, the whole community spirit around it, and everything like that. And yeah, I think that's guess why I'm so proud to support that team. Every game since following Zenit with the Twitter account, I guess when they, they, they've like won the league or like won like the Russian Super Cup. Or something like that. I've just generally like just got this feel good factor about it. I guess, I guess with them, I'm not used to winning really. So when you support a club like this, it's like 
Like it, it does feel really good. It really does. Um, I'm not like Glory Hunter, but I just um, yeah, just seeing them like win a league title again and. Yeah, just seeing that. You know, what I like, and I really do get that feel good facts is when, when we have one like those, we've won the league. The, the the team always wears like these gold shirts, and um, just seeing the team like uh, decked in gold. You know that they're, 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 they're champions of the RPL. Um, yeah, that's uh, that's always an awesome feeling. You have a podcast of your own, which I find really really interesting, man. You want to tell us about it? Yeah, sure. I'm not if many people would find it interesting though, but yeah, sure. Um, it's very, very niche. I guess in general, I'm niche. I mean, come on, look, I'm got a Zenit Mauritius football account on Twitter, so <laughs> it says it all. But um, yeah, I have um, in my spare time, I have a podcast called um, the the Retro Wet Shaving Podcast. Uh, very interested in, in traditional wet shaving. So if those people are not familiar with that, think back to how like your your grandfather would shave the old fashioned. Shaving with like a shaving brush, um, a double edged razor, or like a straight or cutthroat razor. So it's actually online quite a big, like a big hobby. It's quite got a big community, particularly on Instagram, where guys show what they're called like hashtag SOTD shave of the day. So, like, or you're like your, your shaving products, what you're going to use, and that, th- that sort of thing. And I mainly interview um, YouTubers, so guys that are great shaving live on YouTube and showing all like, the, the products. Um, I talk to artisans who make like shaving soaps, um, manufacturers, and that kind of thing. I think I'm in like episode 12, I think. I started it this year, I believe, in I think late March. And yeah, that's something I do in my spare time. Again, it's proper niche, but. Um, and for me, this way of shaving, it, it's, it's so much better than uh, the mainstream cartridge razors that most guys use. Or like some people just hate shaving because they they all they know is this way of using these cartridge razors. They don't know about like the traditional way of shaving. And um, I do love teaching people about it. I mean, recently I've got a, I got in contact with an old school friend and told him about it, and he was like, "Oh wow, that sounds really cool." Tried it, and and I've converted him, which which I think is awesome. Uh, there's something very um... One is old school, definitely, but there's something very therapeutic and ceremonial about a shave. I, I, I totally agree with you. I totally agree. Um, that's another reason I like it. Like, I, I, I don't have time to shave in the morning. Like, it's just like I get up, shower, dressed. Um, I, I like to take my time with it. So that's another reason I don't have time in the morning to do it. But I like doing it in the evening, using the various products. Like, there's so many, like, great scents I like to use. Um you know, just like, like the lathering, putting the, the brush on your face, um, just taking your time. And it, it's like your own time with your own thoughts. Um, I've got like a, a playlist on, on my phone, get Spotify on. And um, yeah, it really is like therapeutic. And um, I really recommend people trying it, really. And yeah, it, you, I don't know if Zen-like is the right word, but um, yeah, it's um, it, it really chills me out. It really can. I feel the same way about a, a shave and sometimes a haircut as well. You know, it it just puts you in a different perspective. It, it, it seems like a weight has been lifted. Yeah, I totally agree with that. I mean, I, I don't do it like every day, maybe about three times a week. But yeah, I, I totally get it. If you've got like a one or two days growth and then like you've, you know, shaved and yeah, you do feel like that. I, yeah, you're, you're totally right. And I guess, yeah, same with the haircut as well. Um, just that refreshed sort of feeling. And yeah, you just, you just feel good. I saw that you mentioned in your bio that you put it as the dyspraxic shaver yes is that correct yes uh that's into my podcast um and twitter so 
that's just my Twitter name for like me being involved with the the wet shaving community. But uh, yeah, so uh, I'm quite open about it. I have something called like dyspraxia, which is like a best way of describing sort of like a coordination disorder. So um, I, I can, if I'm honest, I struggle with the mundane, the most mundane thing. So for example, for example, when when I went to school, I would. I would struggle to use a pen or a pencil. Like I could not get the concept of like the grip and um, I think speech, um, sometimes how you interpret information. So yeah, it, it, it can be the most mundane things can turn out for me like a, a nightmare. Um, it can be stressful. Yeah. There, there's actually quite a huge chunk of like the, the population in the UK that, that have it. Um, I still don't know the whole science behind it, but, Predominantly, I would say males have it, and also if you're born like premature, there's a higher risk that you have it. So, but I think it's one side of the brain that some things just don't function properly. And the story behind that Twitter account, the dyspraxic shaver. So, 2020 was pretty much I got diagnosed with dyspraxia, and 2020 was a year for me that um, I discovered traditional wet shaving. So, I put those two together, but also I think it's just a bit ironic and me just making fun of myself, like. Because I have poor coordination, and there's me using like these sharp razors, um, so I, I guess I'm trying to make fun of myself as well with that name. So that's yeah, that that's uh, that's what that Twitter profile is about. What you mentioned was that I think in was it on your post or was it on your website? You mentioned that, but because of this, you're unable to drive. Yeah, yeah. Yes, yeah, so I, I pin. I was pinning at the top of my um, Twitter account mainly because I just wanted raise awareness for it because there's so many people that don't know what it is like everyone hears about like dyslexia yeah but like they never know what dyspraxia is straight in that just don't know about it and i wrote that post last um year yeah last year around i think early october we have something called like dyspraxia awareness week and i wrote the article for that and how i got diagnosed last year but yeah i can't drive yeah yeah i really can't drive um i just my brain just me like trying to focus on the road, changing the gear and that sort of thing. And if say somebody was talking to me, I'd get distracted. Trying to do all those things in a process at once, I just I just struggle. And yeah, I I really don't think I'll ever drive. Wow. Yeah. So that that kind of really puts it into perspective of how you sort of struggle with it and you know what what it can be for somebody and how you know how how frustrating that can be sometimes. Oh, it is. If, if you know Link, like, obviously, this is a football podcast. If you're looking at me, like, as a kid playing football, like, uh, I remember, um, I think he even mentioned it in that post. Like, uh, I remember a primary school, like, all you had to do to get into the primary school football team was literally just turn up on a Tuesday evening and play, just just, just play football and train. I think it was me, I even wrote this in the blog, me and one other guy who I'm convinced had something similar to me, or some other, like, neuro um, issue. We, did, we didn't make it into the team. And uh, yeah, we're just we're just that bad. It's funny, like, like I'm, I'm I'm a sports fan, but playing it, it's a different story. Like, yeah, I'm so bad. Like, I really suck. But you know, um, but you can't start watching like sport. It's just a, I still find it something that I love, and like it's a big thing in my life. Obviously, no one's gonna be able to see this, but this this um, shirt was my very first was in a St. Petersburg shirt from two seasons ago. Yeah, I, I just live in the shirt basically ever ever since I created that Twitter account and took an interest in the club. Um, so for me, one number one is this, this blue Zenit shirt. Um, secondly, I, I bought on eBay some like, um, I didn't realise that um, Zenit in the, I believe it was the 1970s, um, 
played my hometown team, Southend United. And I bought the uh, football program of that. So, um, yeah, that's another one that's kind of special. I think I've got another one from the 1980s. I can't remember who. I think it was a a European game. I can't remember who they were playing, but I think it was a European game. So, like, yeah, those two programs from the 70s, 80s, um, they're sort of, like, really special. I guess, yeah, just just, just, just those ones, really, um, for for Zenit. Non-Zenit ones, I guess. Putting my first Orient shirt. When I start supporting the club, that's 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 a very special one, obviously because the the history in that season, good and bad, that's another one. Um, I mean, I, I do collect football shirts. I've got so many; it's ridiculous. From you name it, like I've probably got it um, from various leagues. I went to Brazil in um, two thousand nine. I went to Southern Brazil, and I remember um, saw uh, Grêmio play. Grêmio, as like Brazilians would say. Um, from, well, Ronaldinho used to play for where he started his career. I've got the football shirt that I bought when I was over there. So that, I guess that's um, that's another one I, w- I would say that um, that is very special to me. This journey, what has it meant to you? What has it uh, brought to your life? Not as interesting as like compared to the other guests I said. Like I've not met anyone like face to face or gone to Russia yet. So I've not had that aspect. But I love the fact that. Um, you just think like, oh, who, who would like watch like Russian football? And then like, you go, you go on like Twitter and like guys that are similar to you, which without the internet, you would never, ever, ever have. So for me, it's that. Like, um, there's people like here in the UK, there's people from like, I don't know, the Philippines, um, Indonesia. We all follow the same league and I just found that so awesome. And I just, I just love that. And you feel like, yeah, you would think, oh, like you're like, oh, you're so obscure, like nobody's watched that or something. You find that actually, oh, there's actually people in the world that are similar to you. Yeah, I, I just love. And yeah, I, I still think this, this project with the Twitter account is still long-term. I still don't know how to do it, but just, just I guess, just gaining a presence slowly and just, just talk to other people from other parts of the world and just trying to put Zenit on the map, even though I probably have like two, three hundred followers. But um, yeah, I, I would just say that really. It's just it's just the, the other people that you see that have the same passion as you. And yeah, that's just awesome. Well, Dave, thanks for coming on, Faraway Fan. It has been an absolute pleasure speaking to you, man. Pleasure. Thank you for having me. I'm proud to be associated with the other guests you've had on. Great concepts. And Thank yeah, just, just keep up the work. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad. I'm glad you liked it. Thanks to you. Now I'm going to be looking up the Russian League. <laughs> Definitely. We could, do, we could do some more fans. So uh, yeah, that sounds good. Good plan. Yeah. <laughs> Cool, man. Thanks again. Pleasure.